Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. So, well, yeah, that, we're gonna we're gonna follow my family in that camp. Oh uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so we're going. We're gonna be live on Facebook here any second, and we'll just do some brief intros um, once we're up, so everybody gets to know you at the same time I do. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> I um, I'll hang out a little bit after I pause the recording too, because I just have some things I want to say on an aside. So, <laughs> oh, I can't wait. It's awesome. I, I've been looking forward to this for the last week. So, oh, that's so exciting. I um, I just started making this podcast all almost on a whim. Um, not not entirely, but uh, it was kind of I'm, I've been kind of catching up to a snowball that's rolling downhill. So, um, but it's been really exciting. And then, so you're the first person that's not in my immediate friend circle that's going to be on the uh, on the videos and the podcast. So, I'm so honored. I know, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so you'd been thinking about doing a podcast for a while. Yep, absolutely. And um, there was a snowball. Yep. Absolutely. So, and oh, go ahead. I, uh, what was this? Tell me about the snowball. So we are live on Facebook now just happened. So, um, I'm going to tell you along with the rest of the world. Hey, everybody I, watching. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, this is Leo WT and I am live with the person who I've been referring to as that progressive church sign guy for the past week or so. <laughs> Um, and for those of you who are new to the video, this video also um, goes in a, into a podcast and to a YouTube feed as well. Um, and so if I refer to it as a podcast, you're not losing your mind. I might be, but it's neither here nor there. So, um, but this podcast and video is actually in a response to, uh, to Pastor Adam to explain this to you a little bit. This is in a response to something that happened in our, in my community um, recently, actually, over the past couple months. Um, as we all know, COVID has been kind of a wild time. Um, it's been a wild time. Like there's no way around that. And so um, as part of everything that was happening with COVID, um, I I kind of heard, I heard wind of this, um, this local evangelical pastor who was um, actively preaching that LGBTQ people were of the devil and that Black Lives Matter was evil. And he always, always, always managed to conflate the two, which I found wildly interesting because, I mean, historically, the Black community and the LGBTQ community aren't, um, aren't fast friends, you know. Um, and so what happened was I made a video, an eight minute and 41 second video, and it was eight minutes and 41 seconds that changed my life. Um, that video that I made ended up getting about 10K views. And um, it, it's the closest thing to viral I've ever experienced. And um, out of that, I just started receiving message after message after message after message of um, where do you go to church? Is there a progressive church in this area? If you started a church, I would go, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like, like tens and twenties and thirties of messages every hour um, from people around me. And What's funny about that is, uh, and this is my intro to myself since we're meeting ourselves first time on camera. Um, 
my part of my intro to myself is that I actually grew up as a pastor's kid in a conservative evangelical denomination. Um, I was part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance growing up, and I was actually educated in a Christian and Missionary Alliance college. I hold a bachelor's of science degree in pastoral ministry. Um, let me tell you, between your junior and senior year of your pastoral ministry degree is not a great time to come out as a lesbian. Just... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to really shoot your employment prospects in the foot. Um, and so basically I realized that to have to come out, I was going to have to be willing to just give up everything. You know what I mean? Um, and so I did, I came out and I did try to pursue, um, I did try to pursue some uh, aspirancy through the Episcopal church. Uh, things didn't work out there, but it's been about 10 years. It's been actually 10 years since I graduated. And I'm just now, I had given up on that dream. I had like grieved it. I have set it to the wayside. And now with making this one video, um, after a substantial amount of hours and counseling to deal with my church grief and stuff, uh, after making this one video, it was just like that passion um, exploded on back onto the scene for me. And so now in a response to that, um, it's COVID. So there's a limited amount of things we can do, right? Um, but one thing I knew I could do was revive a group that I had started about uh, eight years prior. Um, and I had started a small group called Conversations. Uh, the tagline is spiritually minded conversations about life. And it actually was a part, it was a sponsored Episcopal uh, small group for, for about five years. We had a critical mass of 30 to 40 people. Uh, we took a yearly missions trip overseas to help feed people and build houses. We served at our local food pantry um, monthly and we met weekly um, to have gatherings. And I've, I've started calling it the off book name is church without the bullshit. Um, yes. <laughs> but um, but yeah so that's the off book oh, name but the idea is to build an intentional intersectional community that champions intellectual conversation and spiritual curiosity damn i should have recorded that because that's the best way i've articulated that <laughs> It's um, fantastic. I love it. Nicely yeah, done. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what this is. That's the thing that you've, that you've agreed to, that you've signed your name to. Um, and other than that guy that keeps posting progressive church signs, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. I'm, <laughs> my wife just calls me that guy. So I appreciate okay. you putting the progressive church signs. <laughs> we, awesome. we added on to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Adam Erickson. I'm a pastor in the United Church of Christ at a suburb of Portland called Clackamas United Church of Christ. And as Leo just articulated, uh, my therapist puts it like this, COVID has us crashing into the future of Christianity 10 years in advance. Okay. Uh, so we are all just trying to figure this thing out as best we can. And Leo, you are uh, admirably moving us in uh, a an awesome direction. You're living out the gospel um, right here, figuring out creative ways to do that, creative ways to bring people together, creative ways to, uh, to not scapegoat, marginalize those who have been historically scapegoated and marginalized by the church. And by historically, I mean, really, like not like what people say is traditional Christianity is really not traditional Christianity. 
I've got my like touched by the spirit hands. Can like, I get an amen? I can get yes. an amen right from here for sure. For sure. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I feel oh, like where I do we start? Where day. do we start? Uh, well, I mean, what was the the evangelical pastor who got you to make this video? I guess. Yeah. Uh, what was his issue? His his issues with with LGBTQIA folks and with the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, um, so he's a non, this, and so I made this video and it's funny because I made the video to call out that this sort of stuff was being preached. But my bigger beef is that I grew up super evangelical, so evangelical, I didn't know how much of a splinter cell evangelicalism was of the universal church. And so my goal in making that video, I never mentioned this one person. I never so mentioned this one place. I said, the evangelical church is actively yeah causing harm to today's society and this one person you know apparently felt very triggered uh and so they made a scathing video response that referred to me as irrational and violent and also um dead naming me and using incorrect pronouns for the entire video which not only shows a lack of of, of respect uh but it also shows a blatant disregard for one's one's safety because that's that's mine to disclose um not anybody else's and especially not the preacher of of, of a hyper uh non-denominational evangelical organization which yeah. wouldn't necessarily find the most friendly place for a person like myself so yeah sorry absolutely. Rabbit no trip. it's all it is it is all good <laughs> um so oh okay so, well i mean just take lgbtqia for example uh people say oh the church has never accepted gay and lesbian people into the church uh, well, if by never accepted, you mean in the modern era up until about 1880, then I guess you're right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but before that, uh, the word homosexual was never used in the Bible. Uh, I can tell you why it's because the word homosexual wasn't around when the mm -hmm. Bible was written. Mm -hmm. It wasn't around in the 1500s. It, mm -hmm. It's a modern it's a modern word. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so any, it, there's this, I, I need to remember the article. There's a book coming out and I need to remember the book uh, that makes the case that the first time the word homosexual was used in scripture is in the 1950s. So the, yeah, um, I, yeah. I don't know if I heard of the book, but I do know there's a documentary coming out called 1946. Um, and Mary Lambert, who's the one who wrote the hook, like the, she keeps me warm, the, the hook, that, that chick, um, she, she was a part of the Kickstarter campaign. And that's how I, like, that's how I know about it. Gotcha. So, uh, but I believe the assertion is that that's, that was the, the translation situation there, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, there evangelicals will say, well, maybe the, the word isn't originally in the Bible, but the concept is in the Bible. And one of the important ways to interpret scripture is to, to interpret laws, teachings in comparison with stories mm -hmm. that are happening in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is good biblical interpretation. So the one interprets the other and the other interprets the one. Mm -hmm. so it's it's good to it's good to, where'd you go i'm here somewhere my dog is walking all over my cords right now so that's <laughs> happening that's Maybe a thing. i lost you and i was like oh my goodness where'd you go so uh people often say that uh the sin of sodom and gomorrah is the mm -hmm. sin of homosexuality it's not 
it, it has nothing to do with two men or two women living in a same sex committed relationship. It's about gang rape. It's about a bunch of mm-hmm. men uh, going up to a stranger and telling that stranger who's the boss of the town. It's not you, it's us. That is the sin of Sodom. It's about hospitality. It's yep. about caring for caring for the stranger in your midst. Absolutely. And so uh, when, I, is it Isaiah? I think it's Isaiah who later on talks about the sin of Sodom. He says it's all about not showing hospitality to the stranger and not caring for Absolutely. the poor and the weak and the marginalized. That is what the Bible is obsessed with. Mm-hmm. It's obsessed Absolutely. with that. And so when you start talking about laws, it's good to interpret stories and laws that seem to be talking about similar things. So when you talk about Leviticus, you're not you're not talking about a law that's about two men or two women in a same-sex committed relationship. Uh, Allah, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you're talking about abusive sexual relationships. That's yes, what the you. Leviticus law is getting at. Um, Romans, uh, in the same way, Romans is talking about um, ancient uh, practices, religious practices. Uh-huh. Romans 1 is all set up in uh, a, a religious cultic context. How do you appropriately worship God? And when you're doing it wrong, Paul says it looks like how the Gentiles have been doing it, which is going to uh, cults, uh, temples, where they thought that the best way for you to be one with the gods is for you to be like the gods. And we all know back in first century Rome and Greco religion, the gods are all just effing with each other all the time. Yes, always. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if you're male, female, whatever. And so the greatest way to be like the gods is to get male male to male prostitution Uh is what it's talking about. Uh Um, And this is an abuse of sex and it's not what God wants. It's it's, it's so so traditional Christianity in the 10th century there are uh, there are civil u- there are documents that we have of civil unions between two men and two women mm-hmm. no, traditional absolutely. Christianity supports at least civil unions if not marriages between uh, men and women absolutely and then we find ourselves and, and this is I'm so excited to have you on the on the podcast, on the video, whatever oh my hair, uh, whatever we want to call this. Um, I'm ha- I'm excited to have you here because um, I'm actually going to do an in-depth video about LGBTQ um, people in the church coming up tomorrow. Awesome. Um, and I'm really excited about that because I'm actually going to do a play-by-play with an evangelical sermon that I may or may not have heard recently. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to do I'm going to do a split screen and I, I busted out my Strong's Concordance and I have the Strong's numbers oh. for every single word of oh, every yeah. single thing. I mean, like I'm I going. Love it. I am here for that, my friend. Yeah. And so that'll be tomorrow night. Um, And I think it's just so interesting. And the reason that I'm so excited to talk with you, um, not only because I'm, I'm, I'm clicked up with the UCC now, so, so go UCC. Um, but um, I, I can tell from the message that you're putting out into the world that you, you get it right. Like you understand the fact that, that, 
that the Bible was not written by Swedish Jesus with his big pen, um, you know, in the King James version, right? And I feel like so much, preach, that one will go, that that dog will preach, but so much of what we hear now um, in in neo-patriotism and in anti-LGBTQ sentiment and in Islamophobic things and in anti-Black Lives Matter things, so much of what we hear is informed by such a small splinter cell of the world of Christianity. And so the question that I've been working around to, um, you know, for everybody that's watching this, this was all preamble. Like this was just us shooting the shit. This is apparently what, this is what you do when you're a progressive pastor or, you know, an aspiring progressive pastor. Also, I may or may not have a, a similar oh, shirt on. You wore today. the shirt. I love I wore, it. I wore it just for you. Um, <laughs> but um, the question that I posed to Pastor Adam, um, the thing that I actually let him prepare to talk about is um, why, and, and I'll pose it to you, why do you think that it is so revolutionary in 2020 to actually quote biblical texts in a way that doesn't support the American colonizer, um, whiteitized prosperity gospel? Like you're, you're literally oh. just posting the Bible. Yeah. Why is that so revolutionary? Um, boy, it's I because we have been told so many lies about the Bible. You've just you just went through a bunch of them, and there's something within the 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 human soul that rejects those lies about the Bible. Uh, when we use the Bible as a weapon against others in order to dis- to divide the world up into who is in and who is out there's something within the human soul and i don't know if it's the human soul or if it's particular human souls mm-hmm. there is something within the soul that is attuned to god wh- whether you want to call it god or the universe that's attuned to jesus that's attuned to whatever it is that we're grappling with with progressive christianity uh, i like to go by spirit that spirit yes yes i mean um you know we've got we have a bunch of atheists who attend our online church i haven't i have a dear atheist stripper friend who i did not meet at the stripper the strip club (laughs) the the stripper place the stripper place whatever that's called (laughs) i actually met her because of our signs and she somebody shared it and she saw it and she lives here in portland um incidentally strip clubs are to portland as football stadiums are to texas oh oh. i did not know this before i met my stripper friend i did not know this (laughs) swear to god um so blue just started messaging the church and started saying, Hey, I'm an atheist stripper, but I love the messages that you're putting out there. Keep it up. Yes. So, uh, this happened two years ago when ice went to, uh, Alabama, I think it was, and, uh, went to the chicken facility where there were immigrants Yeah. and tore families apart. And my stripper friend blue messages me and says i want to do a fundraiser for these families that are torn apart Mm -hmm. and i said oh my goodness blue my church would love to help support these kids too how can we work together to fundraise for Mm -hmm. these families and so we just started brainstorming about ways that a strip 
club and strippers from a strip club and a church could work together to help out folks who the gospel tells us to help out who yeah. the human soul that's attuned to as yeah. you say spirit wants to help out and yep. so um blue has become a great friend of mine and uh it's awesome that's I mean, this so is, cool yeah this is <laughs> this is the thing that's happening right now that was really loud because <laughs> I was listening to music earlier today and we still have our Halloween, <laughs> Halloween doorbell on. So, uh, oh, shoot. Oh, you, you are, you actually like talk about Halloween. You're not like, you're not scared about just instant possession on all Hallows Eve or something. Uh, we've got a uh, family down the street who's seventh day Adventist. I think they don't celebrate Halloween or okay. Christmas or birthdays or anything. And I just feel so bad for those kids yeah yeah right i know and this is the thing i think i think with the with the evangelical church and i'm so it's it's such a specific i've said it once and i'll probably say it 15 more times it's a splinter cell of the universal church uh that america really finds sexy because america is all about this right uh it, it plays into the american uh, america first psyche um but but there's there's so many places and people and traditions that the evangelical American colonizer prosperity gospel based churches are willing to cut themselves off of. Uh, they're simply just like they're like okay you know um, that's fine we don't need that and it's so, it's so cloistered and it's so sad and it's frankly damaging you know. And I I want to say I this I, I'm temp I'm just gonna say it it's go for it. It's a it's a Christian heresy. Mm -hmm. It's a Christian heresy. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the the modern evangelical movement is um, a it's a it's a it's the it's the enemy twin of modernism. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's you know this is this is where you get the anti science stuff within Christianity. And the reason that I call it a heresy is because um, Christianity from its very beginning has a has an interest in truth mm -hmm. wherever you find truth they thank god because god is a god of truth not a god of lies mm -hmm. and so um you know Christ, christian christian history is full of uh folks who want to deny the truth of the the world that we see before us but it it tends to move in the direction of saying oh Science. We used to think this, and now we think this. Sometimes yeah. it's a struggle getting to that. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about like astrology and heavenly bodies, oh, oh, th that's not what we thought. Uh, and now, now it is because clearly it's the truth of the world. And let's say thank God. Yeah. So the movement that's anti-science, the movement against. Uh, modernity and science and all of this stuff is a it's a heresy it's a it's it's against truth and jesus says uh you know when jesus says i am the way the truth and the life this is not exclusive truth why because he says that in the gospel of john and at the very beginning of john jesus the, it says that the word of god became flesh and dwelt among us but the word has always been in the world the word has always been in nature. Yeah. In the, the beginning, word, the word was. In the beginning, the word was. Yes. And 
Thank God that the word is shows up in different religions, shows up in non-religions, shows up in science. And whenever you see that truth showing up that tells us reality, say thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Thank God to that. I'm so glad that you're that you brought up your friend Blue because that's one thing that was actually happening in in a post on the conversations page earlier today um, was I I posted something about evangelicalism, but before um, I I made the post I made a disclaimer uh, because I I set forth a precedent with conversations this is what we are and we're not limited but as of lately I've been posting a lot of Christian stuff because of um, you know, Pastor Angry McHate. And, um, and, and so I, uh, there's a different adjective every time, by the way, for the, for that uh, name. It's all good. But I've been, I've been, I posted like, yo, um, this is not a page only for Christians. And even if you're not a Christian, in fact, maybe especially if you're not a Christian, I want to hear your opinion because I truly believe, like you said, the word, the word was, and, and the truth is, and, and it pre-existed and it predated uh, labels. And um, I was talking with a couple people and I, they're actually, I'm, if you see me looking down, I'm checking my phone right now. Also, my dog is trying to get me to throw his ball to him, but um, I am checking my phone because people are engaging on the chat. And we actually have a couple people who, who are like atheists or agnostic. And I was like, dude, like join the conversation because um something that really struck me about your podcast you have a line like i i'm a pastor to um like like unfaithful christians and faithful atheists yeah. i think is what you say not that i've listened to 10 of your podcasts in the past 48 <laughs> hours but <laughs> you would be the only one my friend so it's okay it's okay I, i'm all up in it i got your shirt you're on my yeah. you're on my podcast uh, things are fantastic for me right now so <laughs> But um, I'm really glad you're talking about that because because the whole point of the conversations group and if you want to parallel this to American society, like the intersectionality, like that's the beauty of it. And I think we start to see fracture and dysfunction when we try to to put limits on that intersectionality. And um, I, I'm curious to hear like your thoughts as someone who is a Christian pastor, like can you explain it to my friends who may be watching who haven't seen a pastor like you or like I, uh, can you explain to them why there's literally no intellectual rub for you? There's no intellectual rub for me for uh, engaging with atheists. Yeah, yeah, and just people yeah. of different religions. Like how do you see and uh, uh, find that truth and, and how does that play out for you? Uh, if you are here for making the world a better, lo more loving, more just place. I'm here to work with you. That's basically it. I Done. mean, Jesus uh, goes to Samaritan, the calls the good Samaritan. These are the, when Jesus talks about the good Samaritan and in Jesus's culture, uh, Jews and Samaritans would be what? They're rivals. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not friends. Uh, Samaritans are uh, often seen as terrorists during this time. Um, and so Jews are seen as terrorists to the Samaritans. Mm -hmm. You would, this would be like um, uh, if, if uh, you had a certain president and he was worried about certain people from south of the border coming into your country because they're all terrorists. <gasps> Remember that whole caravan thing a couple of years ago? I do. I do remember I mean, the caravans. 
so <clears throat> these are these are people of uh their similar religion but the similarities in their religion lead them to be even more hostile towards one another mm -hmm. because you're close but you just don't get it and so you should be get it you should get it you should be just like us um and so this is the kind of the going back and forth so when jesus is talking about the good samaritan he is he is challenging bias of his time mm -hmm. uh even bias towards people of different religions jesus is willing to work with willing to acknowledge the truth that there are people who are not like us and they are good they are good people yeah wow this is the same thing like jesus goes through this experience too with the canaanite woman mm -hmm. jesus is hanging out with his buddies this Canaanite woman, and remember in in uh, biblical tradition, Canaanites are generally seen as the bad people. Mm -hmm. They're the people that when uh, when they go into the promised land, you're supposed to kill off the Canaanites, right? Uh, and they worship other gods. That's why you have to kill off the Canaanites. They're people of other religions. Kill them, kill them. Kill them off. <laughs> uh, don't associate with those people. Mm -hmm. So when this Canaanite comes to Jesus, and Jesus is fully within his Jewish roots. Please don't take this as an anti-Jewish story, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is in his prophetic tradition. <clears throat> when Leviticus says, love your neighbor as yourself in chapter 19, it also says, love the foreigner in your midst. Ooh, in chapter wait. 19, verse yeah. 34. You mean there's more to that verse? There's more to that. Keep on reading, friends. Oh, uh, wait. And also Jesus wasn't a Christian. Jesus, Jesus is Jewish. He's fully within. He's living out. Jesus says the most important commandments are to love God. And the way that you love God is to love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. They're connected. Mm -hmm. Right. And that includes the alien, the foreigner in your midst. And Jesus lives this out in this story. Uh, the woman, the Canaanite woman, mm -hmm. uh, she's, she's a foreigner. She's somebody who, is from a different religion and she comes to jesus and says hey i need some help and i know that you can help me uh -huh. <laughs> and jesus calls her a dog this this racial slur right uh -huh. and jesus here is having to work through the bias within himself mm. that, that one of his stories from his ancient tradition has given us and the way jesus is fully human right Mm -hmm. Jesus is fully human, which means that he is formed by a certain culture. Mm -hmm. And we all have this culture within us, right? This is, again, don't hear, oh, Judaism bad, Jesus good, because this is, oh, Christian, or this is, oh, Christianity bad. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we all have these biases that our religion, our society, beyond religion give us. So Jesus models how to work through his bias that he has been given by his culture. And you mm -hmm. see others, Isaiah has to work through his bias too. Isaiah has this wonderful vision in chapter 25, where he says, there will come a day when all people will come to God's holy mountain and worship on God's holy mountain. And the shroud that covers our eyes will be destroyed the shroud that covers our eyes from the humanity of others those that we label as others will be destroyed 
Jesus, I think, is here living out Isaiah's vision. And so this is deeply rooted in the Jewish text. Absolutely. Jesus is living it out and ends up saying, oh, and the, the woman says, even the dogs uh, need to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus, his heart is broken. He models for his disciples and he models for us how to work through our own bias. We all have them. I have them. I continually need to work through them. Uh, and Jesus models for us how to do that. So people of other religions, of no religions, if you are in this world trying to get some crumbs to help make the world a better place, let's do it together. Absolutely. I think that's that's the vision too, is it's not... It, it, it's not, and it doesn't have to be polarized. It doesn't have to be either or. And I, I said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. Like, I think that, that when you polarize and when you other, especially when you systemically other, you yeah. begin to see a lot of natural fractures. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I think, I feel like that's, it's, it's so interesting because I feel like so much of what we're talking about with the church, almost it parallels of American society today. Um, and I, it, it's kind of, I don't even know what to make of it. You know what I mean? But it, yeah. we find ourselves in a world where you're just saying things that are biblical truths and it's radical. You're just, you're, you're a heretic. You know what I mean? Like, wow. It's really interesting because I'm, I'm glad that you say these are biblical truths. I was at, uh, I was picking up my daughter from one of her friend's house and uh, her friend's parents are more evangelical. And uh, they saw that one of the signs was going viral or something. I don't know, whatever. And, and they were like, Oh, uh, you're at that church. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm at that church. And they're like, how do your messages get so viral? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, Oh, it's because you talk about politics on the sign. Right. And I just walked, I was like, ah, I'm done. I don't want to deal with you. I but literally don't have the energy today. I'm, I'm just like, I just want to pick up my daughter and go home. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but this is the thing that, that people also don't understand is that the Bible is political. Mm -hmm. The Bible, Jesus, God, spirit care about how we treat one another. Yep. And that's what politics is all about. Right? You know what's funny is that I keep saying that that Jesus was antifa, like Jesus what Jesus was anti-government. Period. Yes. 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 Like very deeply political. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so are the prophets before him. So Jesus. So um, what do the prophets do over and over again? They do not look into a crystal ball and say, "Oh, this is what the future is going to hold." That's not it. They look at how humans behave and they say, if you keep going down this route, bad things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. Why? Because God has, has set up the world in such a way where our, where the point is to care for those who are particularly uh, struggling, mm -hmm. to care for the poor, the weak, the marginalized, yep. uh, the widows, the yep. orphans. This is over and over again. That's the message of the prophets. And they mm -hmm. go to the kings. Kings don't want to hear this message because nope. they just want more money for themselves and their buddies, right? Yep. And they don't care about the poor. They want to worship. <clears throat> this is where 
this is where the idolatry stuff comes in, mm-hmm. where the prophets seem to be so against other religions. Mm-hmm. The, the reason that the prophets are against the other religions of the ancient world tend always are because those are the gods of wealth. Those are the gods. This is the other reason that you mentioned earlier, Leo, that I, that I say that modern day evangelicalism is a heresy is because it's, it's rooted. It's, it's twin is the prosperity gospel. Absolutely. That is a modern day heresy. The prosperity gospel is a heresy. Yep. Uh, And so the, the prophets say, this is not about you getting rich. Mm -hmm. In fact, Jesus within this Jewish tradition will say, blessed are the poor. Take that into your prosperity gospel message and pipe and smoke it. Yeah. All right. Let me just, let me just message Joel Olstein real quick. Yes. <laughs> it's not about you getting rich. Mm-hmm. In fact, Jesus says, woe to those who are rich mm-hmm. in the gospel of Luke. And woe means beware. Why? Because you're going to get attached to your riches. You're going to get attached to your wealth. You're going to get attached to money. And that attachment is going to lead you away from God who calls us to love God. And the way you love God is to love your neighbor. This isn't about you getting wealthy. It's about you caring for, for others. And the prophets say as a society, this is where you're getting into it, Leo, with Jesus and the anarchy movement, right? Mm -hmm. The way that you set up your society matters. Absolutely. Your society is set up in a way that only benefits the rich and makes the poor poorer or marginalizes the poor. Uh, if it creates this great wealth gap between rich and poor, that ain't what God wants. Absolutely. It's not, it's, 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 there's, there's no room for, for othering in the kingdom of God. And there's no room for borders and there's no room for exclusion. And so much of that is once again, I'm, I'm having a twin conversation about, you know, about the gospel um, and, and Christian faith and also America. And, and I would, obviously my perspective is, you know, that of, of, of an American Christian. Um, that's, that's where I, that's where I, my eyes learn to see, you know what I mean? But we have to do some conscious unlearning of that yes. because we can't, um, ironically, this is a pause different conversation but ironically i recently heard an evangelical sermon uh advocating that lgbtq people were akin to murderers and uh um, and it was akin to rape and bestiality and that it was an abomination and that 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 lgbtq people were worthless fellows like this is what this person was advocating uh this person was advocating that people who are lgbtq affirming and uh you know of some form of christian right um that that those people are taking the bible and making it fit their lifestyle whereas we need to take our take our lifestyle and make it fit the bible and to that i would have to say you don't meet the burden of proof to prove that you're not doing that because you keep saying that they they also kept saying the bible is a heterosexual book right the bible is a book about love and taking care of the other and if you fail to do those things then you're making the bible fit your perspective yeah yeah. And it's it's not confusing to to read the Bible with through the lens of its actual language and through the lens of its actual lingu- linguistic devices of the time. That's not confusing. That's that's responsible homiletics, you know. 
um, it's just so interesting to me because I grew up in that world yeah. and somehow, you know, thank God, somehow I came out the other side to, and, and still give a shit, you know, uh, it would have been so easy to go the other way. And here I find myself fighting to be a part of the church for which the longest time I didn't think the church wanted me. I think really mm. I was just going to the wrong churches, mm. but but this, what you're saying here is so radical. And it's something I didn't hear until I was in my twenties and yeah. I went to church every Sunday of my life, you know, and I would love to bring that message to the world. And, and that's what we're trying to do with conversations here is like, how can we be intentionally critical of the messages we're receiving and that yeah. we're giving? And how can we draw on this spirit and this truth to move forward to a better world, you know? Yeah. Uh, boy, where to go with that? That's fantastic. It's a lot. It. We'll just pause there. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I had another idea that it's really been coming around to me and I'd love to chat a little bit about this, which okay. is the idea uh, in the Bible of uh, the colonizer versus the colonized, because I feel like American Christians, I went out of focus there. I feel like American Christians uh, like to sum it up, I I read a lot of Rob Bell. I like I like him. I love that people think he's a heretic. I, I'm very much drawn to that. I actually just bought a hat that said heretic on it the other day uh, with a little LGBT or with a little rainbow cross for the T. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'll drop a link if anybody needs. Uh, where it. do I get that hat? I mean, <laughs> um, actually, funny story. It's from another person who graduated from my same institution, and then was like, "Yo, this is shit." And then our <laughs> our institution, you know, disavowed both of us, and he's like. Well, bye. Uh, yeah. But so, so I figured I'd buy a hat. We're gonna uh, record a podcast coming up shortly. Oh, so, fantastic. but I feel like um, the Bible. Uh, well, back to Rob Bell. Sorry, Rob Bell's yes. a heretic. I'm, I'm all over the place with this. Rob Bell's a heretic, so I, I'm naturally drawn to read him. Um, and he was talking about in. I want to say it's everything is spiritual. I think it's his newer book. Everything yeah. is spiritual. It's either that or uh, what we talk about when we talk about the Bible. One of those two books, because I'm reading them both. He's talking about watching George W. Bush give a speech on an aircraft carrier, quoting the book of Isaiah to describe, to, to say like, wow, we were victorious because of God. And he's talking, he's actually talking about America, like, stomping on another nation which happens to be in the middle east it's just like interesting perspective and so you see this this perspective of the bible being used as as from the mentality of a colonizer instead of the colonized uh what would you say what would you say the implications are of that in american society to like in 2020 today right this is the same isaiah who says in chapter two that uh there will come a day and we should live into this day when uh, swords will be crushed and turned into pruning hooks and swords will, will be beaten into plowshares. I mean, whatever it is, right? Yep. So, yeah, and pruning hooks, yep. Guy, yeah. So this is the same Isaiah who has a nonviolent ethic. Yep. Um, and the point is to live into that nonviolent ethic. Yep. Uh, and to to use the Bible as a as a weapon is to completely, to quote Rob Bell, miss the plot. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you have missed George Bush. You have missed the plot, but the whole I, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing. But we've, I mean, we've we've. I miss the plot frequently too. I, we all miss the plot, but hopefully we can get back into the plot, the flow that is God's love, um, yeah. and 
that's, you know, first John says God is love. Mm -hmm. And what does love look like? It looks like, it looks like Jesus for, for Christians. It, it looks like a non-violent ethic. Uh, It looks like what Isaiah was doing, especially in chapters 50, uh, 43 to 53 or whatever it is, right? Second Mm -hmm. Isaiah, Mm -hmm. who refuses to respond to violence with violence. Mm -hmm. This is what Revelation is getting out to. The book of Revelation is thoroughly misunderstood because it's talking about John was on some kind of drugs when he wrote it. And so we're like, how do you make sense of this? You're not supposed to make sense of this. It's supposed to be a mystery. Um, So that's part of it. Uh, Once you think you put your finger on God, you've missed the plot again. So God is always moving us forward, click by click. Uh, But the ethic in the human ethic in the book of Revelation is repeated twice. I think it's once in chapter five and once in chapter 13. Uh, And that ethic is non-violent revelation living living in within the roman empire as you say this is occupied territory Mm -hmm. uh and what do you do when you're in occupied territory revelation says if you are taken into captivity into captivity you will be taken why would you be taken into captivity it's because you're protesting. <laughs> it's because you're causing problems for the empire. It's not because you're just sitting back and saying, oh yeah, it's all good. Mm-hmm. It's because you are working in nonviolent resistance, just like Jesus did. They did not kill Jesus and put Jesus up on a cross because he merely said, love God and love your neighbor, as important as those things are. They killed him because he went to the temple and he said, this whole system is jacked up and we got to fix it. Yep. Or we got to abolish it and you we're going to abolish the system. The, the temple is going to be destroyed in three days and we're going to rebuild it so that it looks like something totally different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it's just, it's so fascinating to me. It's so fascinating to me that these conversations, it, they, they just so blatantly parallel America in the Bible. And maybe that's just because I'm American. Maybe I'm egocentric. I'm pretty sure that's what the rest of the world thinks about us. But I was always taught, uh, my family really was big into end times. Um, You know, from the time I was like, I think I was like nine or 10, when my Bampa gave me his study guide to eschatology and and the end times. And I was like eating it up because like, from the time I was five, I I felt called to be a pastor. So I was like eating that up from a very early age. And my, my, my parents would be like, you know, it's very interesting. There's no America in the end times philosophy, which only recently did it register me that why the fuck would there be an America in the book of Revelations? Like, you're talking about what? In where? You know what I mean? Uh, but it's just so, it's so egocentric that um, we're going to take this book and, and we're going to use it to colonize. Like, the Bible's not the handbook for the colonizer. Right. Yes. The Bible's the handbook for how to make a, a better world despite being colonized. The, uh, so um, I can't remember exactly what, what it was in a Bible study a couple of years ago. I forget the passage that we were talking about, but it, it, I think it was, it, I think it was Exodus. Okay. And I tried to make the statement that, that, that the Bible is, written from the perspective and for those 
who are on the margins. So you've heard the statement that history is written by the winners. The Bible was written by the losers. There, there are, of course, times when, as we've already talked about, the, uh, the people went into the promised land and genocide and all of that horrific, horrific stuff. Uh, but they end up being the losers of history. They end up being uh, uh, conquered by the Babylonian Empire, by the Egyptian Empire before that by the Assyrians before that, empire, by the Romans, by the time you get to the New Testament period. Over and over again, the Jewish people are the losers of history. Absolutely. And, and what do they say? God is here with us. You know, they don't abandon this God who, who comes and hears the voice of the victims from Abel. Abel's blood cries out to God. This is revolutionary in... Mm -hmm. In religion, you would never have a God who listens to the voice of the victim. It's always like the powerful, the elite. That's who God listens to. And if you want to know who God is in the world, then then look to the presidents, look to the uh, look to the uh, Caesars and the pharaohs and the kings of the world. That's where you'll find God. And then these Jews come along and they say, "God is God is here with the oppressed." Mm -hmm. And so to, to take the Bible as a, um, as you say, as, as, a, as a manual for how to conquer the world is just completely jacked up. That's, that's to that's talk about idolatry, making God into an idol of who we want to be. That's it. That, so I ended up saying that um, maybe the Bible doesn't have much to say to, to us who are in power. And yeah. they so resist. There was one person who particularly resisted this. Well, if the Bible isn't about me, then why should I be reading it? So I've come to change a little bit on this. Right. Just because the message that the Bible gives to someone like me, a white, heterosexual, cisgender, middle, upper middle class male, is you better use your privilege in a way that helps other people. Absolutely. Not in a way that you're the, the, the savior complex, right? But you better move with other people. Uh, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, uh, highlight Black voices, take your lead. I go to protests, take your lead from, from Black leaders at these protests. This isn't about you. Uh, you know, on Facebook, I see all of these white people trying to white-splain to, to, to our Black leaders how they're not doing their job right. And I'm just like, shut up. And this is my ageism coming through. They're like 60s. They're like, I've been through this. I was in the civil rights. I'm like, you're in Portland. Yeah. Shut up. Listen to the black leaders. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the role that I see the Bible is saying for me. And it's a critical role. It's a critical one. The prophets would be coming to me and saying, are you, you sure you're doing this right? And I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you that I think would be like just it's just it part of this part of the the conversation series is like me getting to ask people 
the questions that I want to ask them um, and then listening, which is really, really fun. Um, but so my question is uh, obviously, you know, you chose the UCC for a reason. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the acronym UCC, uh, United Church of Christ, the United Church of Christ was the first uh, Christian denomination, American Christian denomination to adopt um, a progressive LGBTQ um, theology it wasn't it wasn't really a change they were just affirming lgbtq people yeah. they're they're always at the forefront of racial equality they are always at the forefront of the poor and the oppressed um so so we're talking from this perspective at this moment but can you talk to us talk to me talk to the people who are listening how do we build that sort of community um now and here right so we don't have that in olean this is where i live olean new york Fourteen thousand people um we are the urban center for our area so that tells you how small everywhere else around us is right Fourteen thousand people and we're the biggest thing for an hour and a half in any direction of us for the yeah. most part um so how so how do we build how do we go about building uh that sort of intersectional um social justice based equitable safe space uh and community for people to come together uh so so how do we create that church without the bullshit what would be your advice like from your experience you've had as a pastor of an institution that kind of embodies these things um i that's a great question um I try. <laughs> awesome we uh boy I would say there, there are a couple of things. Um, and Leo, you're doing an amazing job living out that the answer to that question. Um, it, the, what we need, we're one, we, tomorrow is the election. Yeah, yeah. We can and talk on that too, if you want. <laughs> I, I have no idea. You, obviously we don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, but whatever happens, the mission continues, mm -hmm. right? And the mission is the mission is that Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and there are no exceptions. You've seen the lists, right? Uh, you've seen the the memes, the t-shirts go through the list. Uh, that love your black neighbor, brown neighbor, LGBTQIA neighbor, your poor neighbor. This is the spirit in which Jesus is calling us to live our lives. And personally, I, I think that the, what we need to do the most as progressive people, Christians, atheists, Buddhists, work together um, to live that out. Team up with people that, uh, that, that might surprise you or that might surprise others. <laughs> Look for these kinds of relationships. Tomorrow, I am going at my church to be holding an event, uh, 10 people or less masks. Uh, we're gonna wear masks, social distance. Uh, we can do that in the Portland area uh, with a group of Portland anti-fascists. An, an, anti with some Antifa members mm -hmm. here in Portland. And they called me because they wanted a place where they could talk about how to help the houseless population that they interact with here in Portland mm -hmm. when they are out on the streets. Uh, 
and they called me up and were like, we, we need this and we'd love for you to come and hang out with us as we talk about this. And I'm like, I'm here for that. Let's do that together. Uh, because that is, I don't know what they would call it. I call that gospel work. So let's do that. Right. Um, so, and you know, as we talked about earlier, COVID is pushing us 10 years into the future about what it means to be church. What is our identity? And you're finding out in this most beautiful way that church, traditional Christianity says that church is not uh, regulated to a building, correct? to a time, to a space. Church transcends all of that. Uh, we are united with the saints and the sinners from all time and all places. And that's what we're living right now here on social media mm-hmm. here on zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting a, a project at, at our church, um, a, about what would it look like to have our membership expand from, um, traditional church membership in a building to basically what you're doing, Leo, which is people from all around the country, all around the world, getting together to live out the gospel. That's, what would that look like? Yeah, what absolutely. Would it, what would it look like to live this out on social media? Social media is a cesspool, mm-hmm. right? At least that's what everybody says it is. What would it look like for people, for a group of people to intentionally go into social media and be as somebody, I got this idea from somebody who messaged the church. She wanted to be part of a group of people that she called would be the anti-troll. Oh, that's so cool. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's church. I- Yep. That is church online. That is that is church in the social media space. How do you go into a space that might be full of trollish behavior and model a different way? Mm-hmm. Or how do you just model a different way in social media in general, mm-hmm. right? And so that I think is is the present and the future of the church. Yeah, at least <laughs> the foreseeable future, right? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and certainly during COVID time and past COVID time, I think this is this, the mission space is, thank God, it's not going to Africa anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in the social media sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could, maybe we could stop whiteitizing Africa for a little while right? and yeah. like handle some stuff here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's how do you love your neighbor online? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think? These are all great ideas, by the way. What do you think? Um, what do you think it takes to be a leader uh, of, of a movement like that? And I'm not talking about just your church, but what do you think it takes to be that person in your sphere? So let's take your job title away, right? You're not a pastor anymore. You're doing something else, something that you happen to like more than talking about religious things, right? Which I, I happen to enjoy, enjoy, so I understand the fascination. Um, but what would it? What does it look like to bring that? right? That church without the bullshit into the world. Um, what do you think that, that we could talk about implementing in our lives? You know what I mean? How do we make that happen in 2020? Um, yeah, I, uh, that's a, another great question. I'm, um, I'm searching for an answer right now. And I think one of the answers, I think, I think one of my responses is, goes back to you, saying that um, this evangelical movement is like a sliver mm-hmm. within Christianity. Yes. And yet, 
yeah and and yet it's so loud it's so loud that it takes up all of the space in the room and so i think one of the things that we can all do to take more of a of a leadership role in this is to not be afraid to increase the volume mm -hmm. of progressive inclusive nonviolent love uh, because people are so, people want this. Um, we are the silent majority. Uh, and people need to know that we exist. I mean, from a, from a Christian perspective, um, and you've, I think you mentioned this earlier, people are like, I had no idea that this existed. Yeah. This yeah. kind of Christianity exists. Yeah. And, and I often say to people, hey, uh, it, we're the United Church of Christ. We're all over the United States. And if you'd like me to try to help you to find a progressive United Church of Christ congregation, I'm happy to do. There might be one in your within 30 minutes of you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just that we're so quiet and progressive Christian, particularly, thank God for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because <laughs> wow. she she i was just listening to to one of her uh speeches and she was like why is it that we only talk about religious freedom when it comes to bigotry yep why is what she was like she was on it man and i'm like increase the volume on this come right. on we need yep. more of this yep. um and so that's kind of that's that's the leadership role that i think that i think we need to take um you know there are plenty of progressives who are increasing their volume. And there are many of us progressive Christians who are increasing our volume, but we're kind of moving into new territory because progressive Christians have often been ashamed of being Christian because the loudest people in the room are using Christianity as a weapon against other people. Yeah, yeah, you and, really touched on something serious there, right? Yeah, that embarrassment idea. Yeah, and so we are embarrassed because we are we're we're ashamed of calling ourselves Christians mm -hmm. because we don't want to be like those Christians. Oh, I'm having and, a moment. <laughs> right? And you know, this gets back this gets back to your othering, right? Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to other evangelicals. I don't want to other other Christians. <laughs> right? But I also don't want to seed Christianity to them. Yeah. 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 I think, I think we need to increase the volume. I think we need to be bold. There was one of the first messages that I put up on my sign was, uh, two years ago or so I put up there. No woman should be called horse face. Yeah. And you, right. You may remember that Trump called, uh, sure. Stormy Daniels. I think it was, I would never do anything with her because she has a horse face. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this like to say no woman should be called horse face is obvious. Yeah. This gets like your question. These are obvious Christian messages. Yeah, they're obvious. Yep. Right. Yep. So I put that up there and within within five minutes, I had three cars coming down. They were all women who came down. The first one was a woman in a car who said, oh my gosh, thank you for this we need more of this. And I said, well, you're welcome. Thanks. The next one had a woman come down and say, how dare you say that about Donald Trump? How dare you criticize Donald Trump? And I said, what did I do? 
what does the sign say? No woman should be called horse face. Is that like, why is that a problem for you? Is there room for debate there? (laughs) What's problematic about this statement? She was like, and she left. And then a woman uh, driver and her friend were also, who was also in there and they stopped at the sign and they dropped out and they took pictures of it. And I went up to them and I said, I was still kind of freaked out about the previous person who stopped right. by. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Um, should I change the sign? I'm pissing people off. <laughs> like, thank you for this. We need more of this. So I called up some of my council members and I was like, I just put this message up. What do you think? And they were all like, do it, leave yeah. it up there. One of the guys said, Adam, be brave, be brave. And I was like, oh, okay, oh, we'll be brave together. <laughs> we need yeah. to be brave. We like do. we need to call out this bullshit whenever we see this bullshit. And by calling out the bullshit, I also mean the bullshit within myself. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It knows it's no there. boundaries. Yep. It's, yes, it is. It is there. I am blind to a whole, all kinds of stuff because of who I am and the culture that I grew up in. Absolutely. Uh, and I need to go to therapy and find the bullshit within myself. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah. think that's so interesting because spirituality uh, it at its core is in, in my estimation, uh, uh, kind of the hardest spirituality is like, uh, we're made to be this person. Uh, you know, uh, it says in Proverbs above all else, guard your heart for it is a wellspring of life. And that was ever so popular in the purity movement, which I was so lucky to have been in the church for. Uh, for those of you who are watching and don't know about the purity movement, there was an early 2000s movement um, that was uh, just abstinence only. Uh, and there was a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, and it was just advocating like uh, just complete and total purity. And Oh God, I lost my train of thought. Gosh darn it. Purity movement got me distracted. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. So I heard that verse a lot growing up, like don't have sex before marriage, guard your heart. Uh, Don't be like a wrinkled piece of paper because obviously once you have sex before marriage, you're worthless, whatever. But I think that verse is commonly misconstrued. And I think a lot of the heart of spirituality, it's internal and external. It's all a spectrum, right? It was perfect for a queer person to say, but it's all a spectrum, right? And what we need to call out the bullshit out there and we need to call it the bullshit in here. And we need to come back to who we were before we fell apart or or became hardened or became fractured because of the world we live in and we need to um create go out and repair a world that has become fractured fractured or hardened because of the people that live in it and it's a continuum and it's a constant give and take and the truths that are in the bible help us do that and maybe the truths that are in the Quran help us do that. Maybe there's a piece of the, you know, museum of art that inspires something within us that, that helps us do that or helps us change this. Like, I don't think, I feel like Christians are so scared of other stuff. It's like, if we admit that that's good, then do we lose the stakeholder position we have, you know? Yes. Yes. Uh, hopefully. Uh, so back to the church question. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. hopefully we are surrounded by people who will gently call our bullshit out to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Hopefully mm-hmm. they do that in a gentle way that we can hear. Uh, I've needed people to call the bullshit, bullshit out in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've done it in ways that have helped me take responsibility for it. Um, we've all been there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh Paul says we all fall short of the glory of God, yada, yada, right? Yeah, yep. so 
How do you, how do you take responsibility for it? And then, yes, the prophets say that we as a nation messed it up. Mm-hmm. And, and how do we as people living in the United States say we messed it up? Mm-hmm. Talking about colonization coming into the United States and still affects people today. Uh, we came into the United States. We stole land from indigenous folks. We put them in uh, other land that was not good, not yep. as good, because we wanted the more desirable land. Yep. Uh, and we, our our indigenous siblings, have been living with that ever since. Yep. And what we do, we put them in a place where we don't have to see them. Yep. Right. Off, off over there. Uh, and how do we make up for that racist past? You have to acknowledge it. I'm in conversations with some conservative family members mm-hmm. who just don't care, don't, don't care, don't want to acknowledge it, want to say, no, the United States has always been great. And now we're even greater. Yeah. And so we can't acknowledge the sins of our past. And, and slavery was 200, 400 years ago. Uh and uh doesn't affect us any longer. So why do you keep talking about racism? And I tell them, listen, when my grandfather went into World War II, he came back and had the GI Bill that helped him go to college so that my parents could go to college and get wealthy and that I could go to college and get wealthy. And you know who didn't benefit from the GI Bill? Our black siblings. Uh who went off to war and came back and often weren't, couldn't find jobs because of racism. Mm-hmm. And the GI Bill was a racist policy because black people couldn't take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And now we realize that our black siblings have what, 57, make 57 cents to the dollar of our white, of those of us who are white. Mm-hmm. How could that be? Is it because of the color of their skin? No, that's a racist thing to say. Is it because black people are lazy? No, that's a racist thing to say. It's because we have systems that are set up to benefit people like me and at the expense of our black siblings. Absolutely. So we can't turn a blind eye to the to the sins of our past. We have to deal with them. And uh, until we deal with them, we're going to continue to have these kinds of protests, these kinds of riots, these kinds of the things that that show us our sins back to us, that reflect our sins back to us. Are we going to open up our eyes and see it? Yeah. Is the question. And are we going to deal with it? Are we or are we going to vote for people who refuse to acknowledge systemic racism, who just Absolutely. say, you're not a racist, you're a good person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't can... I don't care if you're a good person. I don't nope. care. Like what I care about is that there are systemic racism in our country and we need yep. to deal with it. Yes, absolutely. Like I, <laughs> we, I've been working with uh, this group in Olean called the Olean uh, Regional Justice Coalition, and we uh, started in uh, after the George Floyd uh, lynching. We had there was a protest here. Uh, someone, someone just said, "Hey, let's do this." Uh, it's like a murky origin of like let's just some random someone in our town put the page up. We had three hundred people there. Uh, in a town of 14,000, that's wildly impressive. Um, and actually out of that came this group of, like there was just some sort of momentum. So there's just been this like 
loosely associated group of people that have horizontally come together, no one leader, and we're trying to do stuff in our community, right? We're trying to work out what justice looks like here. Um, and we were we have been protesting weekly weekly ever since the George Floyd protest because we realized that um, we needed to keep momentum at least until the election. Really, our big focus is next year's election because our uh, county legislature is just like red through and through, um, and it's incredibly like entrenched and inequitable. Um, but we we were protesting to get up to this election point, and the last couple weeks, um, I. I had this idea in my head, my wife and I were talking back and forth about it. And I took an American flag, like I got a black and white one because I just thought it was a cool aesthetic. Uh, and I spray painted justice for all on it. Yes. Um, like the actual the actual pledge. Um, yes. You would not believe the amount of anger that that came up for it. And I was like, are you actually angry about this idea? Because I'm angry that we haven't actually embodied it yet in the history of our country. I mean, Olean, we live uh, only about 15 miles from the only um, Native American reservation in the United States that coexists with the city. Uh, the name of the city is Salamanca. So it's actually, an, uh, it's a, actually a reservation. We live 12 15 minutes from this like and we still can't acknowledge in this area that there has been no justice we live 30 minutes from an entire an entire native village that was flooded to create a reservoir so that we can water ski and we can't acknowledge that there's no justice for all if there is to be any work that is spiritual and i'm not i'm not gonna couch it even in christianity but if there is to be any work that is spiritual um it's to repair that and it's Amen. to come it's co to come to an actual realization of the phrase of liberty and justice for all because we haven't managed to do it yet right uh here in portland we've had protests too um mm -hmm. and uh they've often happened at the justice center mm -hmm. and the justice center has uh spray paint on it and all of these kinds of things that protesters do and um I just, I look at that when I go down to the protests and it says justice center on it. And um, it's, it, it is such a symbol of injustice. Mm -hmm. It is, it, it just has, it's, ah, it's hard to find the words. And people are like, stop being violent because you're uh, putting spray paint on the justice center. And I'm like the facade of this injustice center mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is more important to you than the fact that black people are three times more likely to experience police brutality than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, my white children are three times more likely to get, uh, uh, have a criminal record if they were to have some kind of drug on them than black kids their same age. Mm -hmm. uh, or black kids their same age are more likely to get drugs planted on them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is uh, I, the, the idea that a building is more important than black life mm -hmm. is religious language, the height of, our, of idolatry. Jesus, Jesus goes into places like that and says, shut this down, mm -hmm. abolish this. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> you know? absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, 
It's so interesting to me too that we, like you said, the facade of this injustice center or the image of this flag that, you know, people, uh, to to parallel it here, like people are so much more invested in that than an actual, actual situation where justice would occur. Yep. Yep. And it's just wild to me because in that, hidden in that, resistance is some acknowledgement of the fact that they benefit from how things are because otherwise why wouldn't you want it to change right yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. and i you know how do we how do we make it so that we discover what is good for black bodies is also good for white bodies Mm -hmm. yeah police brutality is the problem Uh and you know when when uh trump says well white people suffer from police brutality too he's not wrong no but you're missing the whole point (laughs) you're you're missing the whole yeah you're missing the point that uh our black siblings suffer from it at three times the rate as white people for the same issues uh so let's make it better for white people and for black people and for brown people and do something about police brutality Absolutely. Yeah, uh, let's go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, let's bring this world to an actual place where, uh, in Christian terms, we're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. You know yes. what I mean? Let's let's bring this world to a place where we're reaching, um, you know, some sort of, uh, not utopia because that's that's not possible. But we're we're reaching some sort of world that is equitable and that is just yes. and that is workable for the world for mankind, for all of mankind, you know what I mean? Uh, shalom, right? Like yeah. the idea between a uh, uh, complete peace, peace between man and man, God and man, man and the earth. Like that's, that's what we need to be working towards. And you don't have to be a Christian to work towards that. And you don't have to say, you know what I mean? You don't have to be a Christian to work towards that. It could be that if you are a non-Christian, you're ahead of the game. Whoa. Oh. It could be that if you are a non-Christian, it could be that if you are an atheist, for example, mm-hmm. you're closer to Jesus than a lot of Christians because you don't have to deal with the Christian baggage yeah. that people like you and I have had to deal with. You don't have to unlearn all of the garbage yep. that has been bequeathed to us from the last yep. many years of Christian history. Uh, yeah, one of our signs, it comes from my friend, Matthew DiStefano. Um, who, I think that might be the one I posted for today, but go ahead. You go ahead and say yes. it because, uh, yeah. Uh, he says, kind atheists are closer to Jesus than mean Christians, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is just so obvious. And you know, Christians are going to get pissed off about it, but those are the mean Christians who aren't close to God. Yeah, <laughs> so you're but- just proving my point. Yeah, you're just proving, proving my Matthew's point. point. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's so true. And I think that's, that's kind of the heart of what we're trying to get at here. Or I guess I don't really have a presupposition of what's going to happen with conversations, but my idea would be that we would come to a place where we realize that we can work together and we, by, by building a community of like-minded people, we can create momentum out of that. And I think that it's important that Christians realize that you don't get a corner on the market of the kingdom of heaven you don't get a corner on the market of being the the force that can change the world for better and you either participate with it or you're actively working against it there's no middle ground here there's no middle ground 
Jesus says the tax collectors and the prostitutes will enter into the kingdom of heaven before the religious elite. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, I'm here to follow. I'm yeah. going to follow the tax collectors and the prostitutes because yeah. they know what this is all about. They get it. They Absolutely. get it. And I think one of the reasons that they get it is because they know what it's like to be marginalized. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. And what I think that's something that I learned once I came out as LGBTQ is that like once you've experienced marginalization, you have a greater level of sensitivity to the marginalization of others. And instead of fighting with other marginalized people for table scraps, we need to band together as marginalized people and fight the systems that keep us stuck. Yes, we have to. It's it's essential. Otherwise, we're just going to keep if we don't if we don't abolish systems that are inequitable, then we will keep having the same outcomes. Amen to that, Leo. Right, right. Yes. I don't know. It's just the thought. So brilliant. I am going to um, I'm going to wrap us up here just because I usually stick to about an hour and a half. So, um, Pastor Adam, if you want to hold on for a second, we'll chat after the recording stops uh, just to wrap it up. But everybody else who's who's here on the video, uh, this has been a really engaging comment section. Pastor Adam, I would encourage you to check it out um, when you get a chance here. I was trying to do my best to multitask, but um, we've got some people that I love very much here on the feed commenting and finding some real uh hope and life life-giving and affirming messages from this feed so so thank you for being with us thank you for sharing your perspective and thank you for being that guy that keeps posting progressive church signs um whether you know it or not here in olean uh they're in little old olean in a decade ago in uh, new york that's how i describe where we're from is we're from a decade ago um <laughs> but you're you're inspiring people here and you're encouraging us as we build this community in in our area so thank you so much for doing what you do thank you so much for coming on tonight um and we just appreciate the hell out of you <laughs> um can I, I, can I can i tell you one last story yeah absolutely we've got four minutes left we got appreciate, it appreciate the hell out of me uh talking about <laughs> traditional christianity um back to that topic yeah i uh i went through this phase where i was uh, i went through a depression and mm-hmm. i had this book uh, that I read during uh, during Lent, which is called Christ the Conqueror of Hell. Mm-hmm. And there's this traditional Christianity has this tradition within it that says that God went down in, or that Jesus on Holy Saturday, the day between Good Friday and Easter, went down into the gates of hell, destroyed the gates, conquered satan and dragged adam Mm -hmm. and all of humanity out with him and then locked the doors so that nobody could get back in and uh i see that you have some tattoos just a couple just a couple so i had this i had this book uh with me and on the cover of it is this 10th century painting fresco of Jesus conquering the gates of hell and bringing Adam and everybody else out with him. And so I got it tattooed on my arm. Oh, that's so cool. And so here's Jesus and Adam and the 12 disciples representing all of humanity. He couldn't put all of humanity on my arm. That's shocking, right? So he put just a a few and dragging Adam and the others out of Uh hell. So 
You, I'm, I appreciate so having cool. hell appreciated out of me because I've needed the hell uh, out of me before. Sometimes Jesus, you know, just comes and hangs out with us in our hell and sometimes he drags us out of it. And sometimes other people act as Jesus and sit with us in our hells. And I am thankful for them and uh, thankful for people dragging me out of my hell. So absolutely, that Which is, that is a, uh, a strand of traditional Christianity that is universalism. Mm-hmm. There's a universalism strand within people often think that universalism is a modern heresy. Mm-hmm. It's been there from the beginning of the church. Yeah. You don't have to believe in universalism, but you can. It's there if you want to. I love and it. It's not a it's not a heresy. So it's we've, not got a heresy. Two, we've got two minutes left. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. You're like a speed pastor. Um, in, two minutes, in yeah. those two minutes, can you do us a favor and can you drop uh, or can you let us know um, ways for people to follow the work that you do? Because some people on here didn't know that you had a presence online. They had oh. just seen your post. So plug yeah. whatever you'd like to plug. Uh, well, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Clackamas United Church of Christ. Uh, and you can follow me at Pastor Adam on Facebook, and sometimes I tweet. <laughs> and what's your podcast name? Uh, I I have well I, I have two podcasts. Okay. One is um, one question with Pastor Adam. Uh, I work at the Raven Foundation, so you can follow the Raven Foundation too, where we have a lot of these kinds of conversations. Those that's on Facebook uh, as well. And my other podcast is horribly named Jesus Unmasked <laughs> because we came up with the name before COVID and just like, what do we do? Let's just go with it. It's a weekly Bible study on the Raven Foundation Facebook page on Wednesdays at four o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock Eastern with my dear friend and colleague at Raven, Lindsay Paris Lopez. Uh, right. And we go through the lectionary passage that churches use for the upcoming Sunday and just kind of talk about the gospel passage there. So you can uh, keep up with us over on those pages. Yeah. I like it. And for anyone who's watching, if you see, if you've seen my shirt here, uh, says the gospel is anti-fascist. If you're interested in angering some conservatives in your yes. area, uh, I plan to wear this to the polls tomorrow. I think it's nice. going to be a great experience. I but love if you're it. interested in angering some conservatives or some evangelicals, uh, take your pick. Uh, you can get this at the Clackamas United Church of Christ website, which is where you, I picked it up. So. We, we have some other, uh, we have some other shirts too. One that says I'm with Dr. Fauci and has... <laughs> Dr. Fauci on it with a mask. Yes. Uh, another one that has the MLK quote, a riot is the language of the unheard mm-hmm. and a image of MLK. And then one of the signs that one of the first signs to go viral was uh, our transgender siblings have heartbeats. Mm-hmm. So we put that into a sign as well. I have a heartbeat. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. Everybody else, you guys have a great night. Um, In terms of conversations, I'll be back. I'm going to have a video probably tomorrow, um, which might be uh, be uninteresting some of you, but um, I'm going to be uh, breaking down the scriptures that people have been using to um, 
proclaim anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. I'm going to go way, way, way in depth on it. Um, just just for one last time. And then after that, we're not concerned with the haters, uh, but we're going to be doing that tomorrow. And uh, I'll be back. I have, a, I'm setting up a schedule to be here every week. So, so check it out. Feel free to join us whenever you want to pastor Adam. You have a standing invitation. So thank you everybody so much for watching and you guys have a great day. All right. Bye everybody. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.